And we continue to be blessed now as we come to God in the gospel lesson for today, starting in the gospel of Mark chapter 6, starting in the 45th verse. I invite you to, as you're able, to stand for the reading. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. Well, he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came and the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on land and he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus leads us into the storm this morning. And we will follow. What do you hold on to in a storm? You had some practice these last couple days. I was reminded of what we hold on to as I considered this text this morning and reminded of a story some years ago when I was leading a group of high schoolers in the high Sierras and we were rock climbing and hiking and rappelling and we were rappelling off of a cliff with an overhang and we were on ropes not too much different than this one and as one of our students uh, began to rappel down on that overhang that got to the part of the rappel where your feet no longer got to walk along the rock, you just had to trust the rope and you dangled. <laughs> well, this young man, as he began to dangle, he had some trouble. His shirt got caught up in the figure eight that he was using to... Uh, navigate his way down to the ground. And pretty soon, he couldn't go up or down. He was stuck. And it didn't matter how many instructions we yelled from the top or the bottom. It just didn't seem to help. Nothing helped until our guide repelled down alongside of him and helped him get unstuck. Stuck is where the disciples were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Stuck is where we are sometimes. Sometimes in our walk of faith, sometimes just in everyday life. And stuck is where the disciples were After the feeding of the 5,000, they didn't want to leave. 
They wanted to stay at the party. The crowd didn't want to leave either. But Jesus sent them. The text says in English, made them. If you look at the Greek, you understand he's forcing them to get on the boat. It's time to go. He understood, and it seemed implied there, if you read it in the original language, that there's a crisis. The crowd is getting the wrong idea about who Jesus is. With their bellies full, they figured, well, this is the kind of Messiah he's come to be, to fill our stomachs. But Jesus knew that he was coming to do more than that. That's why Mark records Jesus telling the disciples so often to be quiet about their confession of faith because they don't yet understand who he is fully and what he has come to do. At family camp this past summer, our speaker, Dr. Steve Turnbull, reminded us that Mark is constantly reminding us how much the disciples don't get it. And so Jesus, knowing that these disciples have hard hearts, tell them it's time to leave the party and to shove off. One commentator imagined him, Jesus, pushing the boat out to water. They were heading off to sea, and he was dismissing the crowd and heading off to pray. They were obediently following Jesus. They were where Jesus wanted them to be, not where they would have chosen for themselves. Maybe that's what it's like for you today. Maybe you're in a place where you might not have chosen had you been the Messiah, but you obediently followed. Or maybe you're having trouble taking that first step and you need Jesus to help you with the push-off. Maybe you're stuck right in the middle of it all, in the middle of the storm. Maybe like my student, it's because of your own stuff getting stuck. Maybe your own sin has got you stuck in a storm. Maybe like the disciples, you have paddled hard, painfully so, and not really making much headway. Maybe you are indeed in a place that you don't want to be. Or maybe you've completely forgotten to pay attention to where Jesus is leading you. Being stuck in a storm does not necessarily mean you're in the wrong place. You, like the disciples who we hear about today in the text, might be exactly where Jesus wants you to be. Barclay, quoting Augustine, who wrote about this incident, about this storm, and about these disciples, he notes that when Christ is there, the storm becomes calm, the tumult becomes a peace. You cannot be done in by what is done. The unbearable becomes somehow bearable. And men past the breaking point somehow do not break. To walk with Christ will be for us also the conquest of the storm. Catch that? 
The victory isn't the defeat of the storm. It's that Christ is present. There's a false idea out there. Yeah, indeed, a false gospel that says in following Jesus, it'll make all your dreams come true. Not unlike the infomercials we watch at three in the morning. Well, the disciples are out in the middle of the night. It is, as we read in the fourth watch in the text, about three in the morning. And they are stuck in a storm that Jesus sent them to. And so it's a misunderstanding of the Messiah to think of him as simply one who fills our bellies. Jesus has a bigger picture for the disciples about what he's about to do and a bigger picture for us. It's why you're sitting in what used to be called in the sanctuary an old language in Latin, what we used to call the nave of the church. The church sits in the nave. That's a Latin word for boat. And so we sit floating in the storm of life in this boat called the church, the place where Jesus has called us to be. And you and I understandably and righteously ask the Lord to get us through the storm. Lord, help me to have faith. Lord, help me get here or to get there or to make it through this next week. God graciously gives us permission, invites us, even teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer to lay all of that before him. But as we hear in Ephesians today, Jesus is ready to do more than we could even ask or imagine. It may be so big, so amazing, that it will, his answer to our prayer, stretch into eternity. It may or may not look anything like what you were thinking. As I encountered this text in the Gospel of Mark and in Ephesians and Genesis this week, I was reminded of God's promise and God's covenant to be with us. And as I went through my notes and study time, I went back to some old notes in the book of Ephesians. And I was looking at the Greek word in chapter 2 leading up to this prayer in chapter 3 that we had read for us today, poema. You've heard me talk about it a thousand times that we are called God's work of art, God's poem. And wouldn't you know, I had sitting right next to that note a quote by none other than Johnny Erickson Tata. Where she writes in her book, Do I, the poem, the thing being written, know more than the poet? Her testimony to submit to submit to where God is leading is the invitation that God gives us today as he pushes us out sometimes into the storm. And in that storm will be the place where he shows up. As he's praying for us, he notices the disciples are not making it very far in this Sea of Galilee, 696 feet under the, under the uh, sea level, 
where storms raise up regularly, the sea where God's kingdom is about to come. The text tells us that he's going to pass by. And instead of just passing by, he gets on the boat. When Jesus shows up, when God's kingdom comes, God's, we call it the kingdom on the right, God's kingdom, it moves into the kingdom of the world that we live in, the kingdom on the left. As Jesus shows up, he leads us to be his witness in the kingdom on the left. Where do the kingdom on the right, God's kingdom and the kingdom on the left get encountering one another? It's through you, through me. At home, yeah, maybe at three in the morning with a little one. Maybe with your roommate at college or in an argument or brunch today or swimming lessons with your kids or a storm at work. Becomes holy ground. We don't always understand the brokenness of the storm that we'll face And the disciples didn't understand. Their hearts were hardened, but they were also astounded. Astounded by his presence. Astounded by his power. If you didn't get that God is doing something bigger in the feeding of the 5,000, then you're not alone because the disciples didn't get it either. If you didn't get that Jesus was doing more than just calming a storm, you're not alone because the disciples didn't get it either. He makes the unbearable become bearable, the impossible become possible. Anxiety turns to peace, and not because of what the waves are doing, but because Jesus is there. The waves of the world, they'll they'll always take us off course. Maybe we'll become afraid. We'll look at them in our viewfinder instead of Christ. We saw that in Peter when John tells of this incident. Or our wants increase more than Christ, and that gets us off course. Or our sin leads us to follow our ways instead of God's ways, and that gets us off course. But when Jesus comes, when his kingdom comes, and we receive him, the outcome changes. Kingdom living is remembering that Jesus shows up. F.F. Bruce puts it this way, that Jesus, that Christ would take residence in our hearts. And as he takes residence in our hearts, we no longer look at the waves. We look to Jesus. We no longer look to our ways. We look to him and his word. We no longer second guess what he has to say. Did he really mean that? And we just in astounding power, we worship him and say, yes, Lord. 
So will you hold on to the rope of faith that is Christ and come to your knees to worship Him and to pray to Him? The story is told of an Old Testament professor on an excursion in Switzerland with the guide and he is making it up a Swiss peak and he makes it to the top. Sweet success. And in celebrating his own accomplishment, he stands up at the top of the peak only to discover, even though he'd been reminded beforehand, that the winds at the top of the mountain are too strong and he is about to be taken down. And his guide rescues him and says, you can only stand these winds on your knees. And that's true for you and for me. We can only stand the winds of the storms of life on our knees before Christ. And so the Apostle Paul prays for us and gives us this blessing in Ephesians chapter 3. This blessing of an imagination that goes beyond, way beyond what you and I can imagine. Because why? Because Christ passes by and gets on the boat and takes residence in our hearts. And so we hear this promise. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that is within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.